Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. I'm really excited to welcome to this episode of Fed Talks Madeline Smith, who teaches in Munich, Germany at the Munich International School. Um, Madeline, have you been there seven years or is this just your seventh, seventh year in educational theater? Um, this is my seventh year in educational theater. I've been here for four years. Um, and yeah, I worked kind of as a student teacher and in set various internships, um, and then in South Carolina public schools for a year before coming here. Well, va- fantastic. So I'm just going to turn it over to you now, uh, to kind of share your story and your journey to through theater education to where we are in, in Munich now. So welcome. Thank you so much. Um, so quite a, quite a roundabout journey. Um, I actually went to high school here in Munich, uh, at Munich International School, um, very involved in the theater arts um, and went to college back in Maryland at Towson University. And I started out as a pre-med major. And about, I think after about a semester, I realized I really missed theater. Um, so I added a minor. So of course I was a, the only pre-med major with a theater minor um, <laughs> at the school at that time. And slowly that evolved into, oh, maybe I want to teach science. So I did a little bit of a kind of teaching internship in my undergrad teaching science. And eventually after organic chemistry kicked my butt, um, my parents were the ones who really encouraged me to study theater instead. So um, my senior year, I switched my major to theater studies with a minor in biology. Um, So (laughs) kind of switched those two. And in that time, I reached out to local schools um, and got a chance to have small internships at them uh, in their theater departments, uh, which was really great of them to give me that opportunity and really made sure that I wanted to do that in my future. Uh, and I applied for the theater education program at the University of South Carolina in Columbia and was accepted to that and moved down there, spent two years doing that. Didn't think I would get back to Munich so soon, but a job came open after my first year teaching in South Carolina. And I applied and I'm, I'm here now. So I kind of went on a whole journey and I'm back to kind of where I started my theater passion. Uh, and I'm really grateful to be here. That's awesome. So, so tell me, cause I, I, I am fascinated with people who have passions and interests in, in the sciences, cause that's not where my mind naturally goes. So what, um, what about pre-med and, 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 and biology, uh, drew you to that? <laughs> so this is totally unrelated to theater education. Um, but I had brain surgery when I moved from, so I, I grew up overseas. I, uh, lived in England for all of middle school and Germany for all of high school. Um, and when I was making that transition from England to Germany, Um, I had uh, brain surgery and I was interested in being a doctor before that. And I, instead of playing with my Barbies or dolls as a kid, I always put bandages on my animals and kind of took them to the hospital. So 
I'm not sure exactly where that started, but the surgery definitely uh, sealed my passion for that. And I really wanted to continue in that field. Um, but theater, I guess, was just kind of the thing in the back of my mind at all times. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention was summer camp, uh, where I worked at Camp Waquaic in Pennsylvania for seven years. Um, and my first year there, I worked only in the theater with kids. And that was just kind of like, that's that's what I want to do. Um, so that took me on that path as well. Um, and yeah, I, I just can't imagine my life not working with kids at this point. Yeah. And I, I, I always love talking with people who have lived internationally throughout their whole life. Um, and then they're, they're come back in the United States for various work or school. And so what, um, what was that like for you? And how do you see, if you see um, any of those influences from the living abroad and how they shaped who you are as a teacher? Yeah, definitely. I think living abroad, um, I was so lucky to have that experience as a kid through my parents' work. Um, and it made me see the world in a different way. Uh, I felt kind of like an outcast in college because I was surrounded by a lot of people who had grown up in Maryland or in the surrounding states and never really left um, or never had the opportunity to. Uh, so I felt like I was the only one who wanted to move back to Europe or, you know, come over here long term. Um, and when I was teaching students, I felt like I had a, a different understanding of the way education works. Um, I remember my first day of student teaching, doing the Pledge of Allegiance and having almost like tears in my eyes because the last time I had done it was when I was nine years old in my fourth grade classroom um, in Maryland before I moved overseas. Uh, so that was definitely huge culture shock. Uh, obviously going to university in the States after being in Europe was very, very different. Um, but yeah, just there because of living overseas, I always had this like nagging feeling in the back of my mind that I, I need to come back here. Um, and I'm very lucky to have a partner that supported that as well. We moved here just as partners um, after a year of dating. So <laughs> uh, he definitely took a leap of faith as well. Um, and yeah, I knew I would always come back here and I'm happy I'm here. So, so, so talk to us about, because last season I had uh, several uh, international teachers on, um, but talk to us a little bit about what an international, working at an international school is like and, and, and what your program is like there. Sure. Um, so our school is a little bit different than other international schools because we are um, partially in line with the Bavarian schools, so the, the area of Munich or the area of Germany that we're in. Um, so we have to follow some of their rules, uh, their guidelines around things like what we can and can't say in the classroom and the school day and how many hours we teach per week. Um, but otherwise, it's a very, well, obviously it's incredibly different to South Carolina public schools where I came from. Um, it's It wasn't super weird for me to come back because I, I had been here for four years already. Um, so I didn't have that like shock of the system of how an international school works. Um, but we, it's, it's ridiculous how much we are given um, resource wise um, and time wise even to support students and bring them amazing opportunities. 
a lot of teachers who have been here a while will, and this is goes for any international school, will complain about the schedule like, oh, I have four classes today out of the six periods or, oh, it's a heavy day for me. And I always think in South Carolina, I taught six lessons every single day, 15, 20 minutes for lunch, maybe. And that was just what we accepted. But it is a huge difference from a lot of the experiences I've heard of uh, in the States and yeah, other schools. What are what are some of the, the challenges, though, that you face and in, in with the work that you do? There's uh, definitely an international bubble. Uh, of teachers, you know, piano people are living in this bubble of fantasy um, and not entering back out into the real world. And then uh, there's also a culture of you go to work, you do your work, you go home. Um, there's not a lot of community among uh, our our faculty because our school is kind of in the middle of nowhere. So we're not actually in the city. Um, so that makes it really difficult just to, I don't know, like grab a drink with a colleague. Um, is like, well, you live 40 minutes away and I live down here. And uh, so that is definitely a huge challenge for our school. But I, I really can't complain about much. Honestly, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky. Are you a regular listener of Fed Talks and have always wondered how you can be a guest on the show? Well, this is how you sign up to be a guest on Fed Talks and join the ranks of all the other amazing theater educators that have been on the show. All you do is go to www.fedtalks.com and right at the top of the page, there's a link that says register as a guest. Click that and then you'll be taken to a page where you fill out some information and hit submit. And Once you do, you'll be taken to a scheduling link where you can schedule a time to have an interview with me and share your stories and resources here on the show. You may think, oh, I don't really have something to talk about. Nobody wants to hear my stories. You know what? Every single guest who I have talked to has pretty much said the same thing. And we have a fantastic conversation. And hopefully those stories and what you're hearing keep bringing you back. So I promise you, you have things that people want to hear. And I want to hear from you. www.fedtalks.com and click register as a guest. Stop thinking about it and just do it. I can't wait to talk to you soon. So if a teacher is, if all this is sounding really cool and very interesting, uh, where can the teacher find out more information about international schools and how to get involved if they, if they want to pursue that? I applied straight, a lot of international schools, you can apply straight to their website, um, but they always encourage you to sign up for a uh, kind of hiring platform. Uh, Search Associates is a very popular one. And there's some, another one international school, something that just changed names. I'm unsure of the name change, but search associates is the most popular, I believe. And as long as you've been teaching for over a year and a half, um, they encourage you to apply. Uh, International school hiring has become earlier and earlier every year. So it used to be around like February, March, and now it's more like December, get your applications in. Um, So I encourage anyone who's looking at international school Look a year ahead. Um, don't wait until March or April because they're probably all going to be gone. Um, but with that being said, jobs pop up all the time. Uh, you know, maternity leave, uh, personal leave, sabbaticals. So always good to check the websites. If you have a specific school or place you want to go, check their website and their vacancies because it can't hurt to just contact the head of school, even if there's nothing open at the time contact the head of school, send them your resume, ask for an informational interview. A lot of the head of schools that I've met and experienced um, 
are happy just to chat, uh, just to have you kind of like in a bank uh, they can pull from. Um, yeah, and the hardest part is definitely leaving your family. Um, so that's a big thing to keep in mind when somebody wants to go to an international school is to make sure they're going to be okay with that. Well, that's fantastic. That's fascinating. I have, uh, several, um, former student teachers and, and, uh, colleague from South Carolina who, who I believe he got the retirement age and then decided he wanted to teach internationally. So he's doing that now. Great. Um, and it, it just the stories and the travel and it, it just sounds so fascinating and awesome. So, but, but I appreciate you sharing that, that you, you're away from your family, you're away from all the things here and you're, you're living, working, breathing there. And, yeah. um, and it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. So if you're a family person, you got to keep that in mind. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you shared with me about, uh, the South Carolina governor school for the arts grant that you were a part of with, mm -hmm. um, promoting literacy in rural areas. Can you talk about that experience in that program? Sure. Um, so, we had some connections as a part of our theater education program at University of South Carolina. Um, some teachers in the area were a part of it. And so the, a grant was gotten by the governor's school, uh, which is in Greenville, South Carolina. And it started off as summers. So we would go for a few weeks at a time to different areas of very rural South Carolina I mean, I think I drove an hour 45 each way um, and there was really nowhere to stay there either. So I just kind of did it daily. Um, but we would test students literacy rates in the beginning. So short, short tests um, for a day or so, and then would come in for a week or two only for an hour or so a day between their normal lessons and do a whole drama unit. Um, so we did things like it was it was younger students, um, elementary, around that age when you really it's important to test them and hope they move up to around third grade. Uh, we did some puppet work. We did a lot with books. So we used specific books in their curriculum to teach with a lot of teacher enroll work. Um, and I, I went to at least four different schools. And now the program has received more funding from what I understand. I'm not a part of it anymore, um, but they're doing a all year round program now, which is just amazing. Um, I definitely felt like when I did the summer one, I was parachuting a little <laughs> um, and I really wanted to stick around because I made some great connections with the students and I really wanted them to keep having drama. Um, and it just wasn't possible uh, two hours away. Uh, so I'm really happy to, to know that there are educators now all over South Carolina um, through this program and it's called spark. Um, there are educators all over uh, spreading the, the good word and the, the good teachings of drama in the classroom and promoting their literacy skills and people skills in general. That's how, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's Peter Duffy heads that up, correct? Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good man. Good, good friend. Good man. Good, friend. good man. I, yeah. I appreciate Peter and I love the work that he does. So that's that's great to know that that kind of impact is being made. That's awesome. Yeah. I am fascinated by one of the things that you sent me in the show prep material about um, the production that was created um, based on the interviews with teachers who left the profession. Um, yes. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Sure. Um, so I just want to correct myself very briefly. Um, 
Mel Trimble, I believe, is heading up the Spark program. Peter was a part of the research team. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. I just wanted to correct that. I appreciate that correction. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, so Peter uh, Duffy is actually the person who started this interview project. Um, it was my first year of grad school, and he was our professor, of course, because that's that's his thing. Um, and so we were given the task. It was through through one of our methods classes. Uh, we were given the task of interviewing one to three teachers who have left the profession for reasons other than retirement. Um, we then took those interviews and Peter created with other students after I gra had graduated, um, created an entire piece around this kind of uh, interview theater style, kind of verbatim theater, a little bit Anna DeVere Smith-esque yeah. um, of becoming these characters on stage. Uh, and some of these interviews, I tell you, there were tears, there was anger. Um, it was it was kind of difficult <laughs> being a first year uh, theater education student and um, hearing these horror stories. Um, but it was important for us to know um, these reasons and the experiences of others to prepare ourselves and to understand really what theater education can bring and teaching in general. Um, we interviewed some principals, former principals. We interviewed some theater teachers, some math um, professors all across the board. And yeah, some of just some of the replies, some of the responses we got uh, really made us think very hard. <laughs> um, that, you know, I can give specific examples. Um, you can imagine kind of the kind of things that we would hear. Um, a lot of it was behavior in the classroom. A lot of it was parents just being parents, um, colleagues, toxic work environments. Mm -hmm. And toxic work environments can tie into a lot of jobs. Um, but I think in teaching, it's been especially hard um, or it is especially hard when, you know, you go into the lunchroom and you're like, this is my one break of the day you know, I want to decompress. And then there's five people talking about a student or a parent and it just kind of feels crappy. Um, so toxic work environments, behavior, parents, um, funding, mm -hmm. not having a classroom is most theater teachers. <laughs> um, so that's, that's difficult. Um, yeah, we, we got a variety of responses and some were just said, you know, my time was up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. And when when did you do this? This was the first year of grad school, so it was 2016. Okay, yeah. I would be very curious uh, for Peter and and you all to revisit that now. Um, I know, yeah. Where education <laughs> is and how the world is just completely different now than even just the six years ago when you did this. Definitely. Yeah, that'd be fascinating to find out. As you as you you're teaching internationally. You do have your partner there. Your family is away. You've got all this data from the work that you've done um, with with students in rural areas, as well as the, the these teachers leaving the profession. How do you tackle um, any effects of potential burnout? Um, how do you take care of yourself um, to keep you you excited to go to work every day? Like, what does that look like for Madeline? Um, so I wouldn't say that I'm tackling burnout, to be honest. Um, I'm only in year five of teaching in a classroom, 
properly in my own classroom and I feel like I'm being burnt out. I reached a point two school years ago. So that, that mid pandemic year um, where I just kind of was at my wits end um, and was told to like, take a deep breath. Germany healthcare, let me tell you, fantastic. Um, burnout is actually a diagnosis you can get, and then you can go on retreats, you can get time off and it's all paid for oh. <laughs> by insurance. Um, oh. I have not done that. <laughs> um, but it's nice to know it exists. Uh, I love to walk around, bike around, go to the gym. Um, playing music definitely helps a lot. And honestly, I think a lot of burnout comes from the stuff outside of the classroom. Um, you know, outside of the direct classroom talking to kids, because when I'm in the classroom and I'm teaching a lesson, I'm very, very happy. Um, it's those little things in between that can really hurt. <laughs> um, so yeah, just staying active, um, seeing friends, uh, planning the next place we're going to travel because we live here. So we have to, and plus COVID really, uh, destroyed our chances of traveling for a solid year and a half. <laughs> um, Germany had pretty strict lockdown rules. So just getting out and planning that next adventure um, are ways that I kind of keep my head above water. It's important. It's important to have those, those outside things that keep you excited and keep you interested in not just your work, but in you and in your life and having that balance. You, if you've got, if you're going to have that work-life balance, you've got to have the life as well. So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. You contributed to an article that I loved reading on people.com. <laughs> and I'm going to link that when this episode comes out for, for the listeners to, to check out. Talk about what that article was and, and your involvement in that. Sure. Um, so my friend uh, Andrea Wurzberger um, was in my program at uh, South Carolina. She'd studied theater undergrad or sorry, no, English undergrad, I believe. <laughs> Sorry, Andrea. Um, <laughs> and then uh, was in my theater education program a year above me. Um, and she finished that and then started writing <laughs> instead of teaching, uh, which is great. She found her passion um, and she now writes for People, People Magazine, um, uh, among a few others. She could have changed by now, honestly, but I think she still worked for People. <laughs> um, and yeah, she reached out. I think it was four months in the pandemic, maybe even less. And parents were fumbling for, uh -huh. you know, methods of teaching at home. Um, and she asked if I would be interviewed for her article on how to make the best of an at-home learning situation. And a few of the other people on there are educators from South Carolina as well. And yeah, it was, it was really cool to see my work as a teacher being put up somewhere where people can see and get advice from it. And I hope that I helped at least one person <laughs> with something at home with their kid. Um, but it was, it was interesting to think about because I, we don't have kids ourselves uh, here and yeah, this, the, just the struggle of parents um, parenting during that time. I can't imagine. Um, but as a teacher, I hope that I helped give a few techniques to make an at-home classroom. Mm -hmm. 
I I loved the article and I loved um, for me I loved that it not only was was really useful advice for for that that point in time that we we all were and we were struggling and living in um, but I think it's also just great information even now as we are emerging out of the pandemic and we're trying to get back to some semblance of normal um, I I think it's gr- still great information for parents who to just be parents at home and helping their kids period in general. So I will make sure that is linked so people can, can check that out. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But you've taught at all the different levels uh, of school. Yeah. <laughs> and I would love to know, not your favorite, but kind of where your heart mostly aligns and kind of those big similarities and differences that you found working with the different grade levels. Sure. Yeah. So um, my first year here, I taught fifth through ninth grade and I had never taught fifth or ninth grade because when I taught in South Carolina it was middle school so sixth through eighth and they were like all right this year you're teaching five six seven eight nine and I was like whoa that's a lot (laughs) um but I actually and I don't know if it was just because of that certain group of kids but my fifth and ninth graders that year I think were my favorite group to go into the classroom with um and it was really fun when I had them back to back um, you know, <laughs> uh, it takes such a huge adjustment. I thought middle school was a big one, but when I teach a fifth grader and then ninth graders come in, the the shift in my brain that needs to happen, I mean, teaching, you know, ensemble work and then Stanislavski back to back, wild. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it's the other way around and I have these ninth graders that are working so hard and learning Brecht techniques and everything. And then fifth graders come in and they start getting noisy and I get angry and I'm like, hold on, they're 10, not 15. So <laughs> that's, um, that, that took a little bit of getting used to. Um, I think I'm there now. Um, seven, sixth, seventh grade are now kind of my wheelhouse. Um, I really enjoy when sixth grade, we teach kind of the origins. Uh, so Greek theater, um, and then we do a teacher enrolled detective unit. And it's something about that age that they're self-sufficient enough, but they still kind of need you um, to guide them. And they're not uh, resistant to you guiding them, uh, which I think is so, so useful in drama. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think sixth and seventh grade are definitely my, my go-tos. They're the ones that I was kind of the head of at, at summer camp. Um, and I do, I do love high schoolers and now I teach up to 10th grade. Uh, but they're just, they're just something like sullen (laughs) compared to those excited little sixth graders that I just can't get quite get on board with. Um, (laughs) but I love teaching that higher level of curriculum, like teaching Boal theater of the oppressed playback theater, you know, more, we get more in depth with things. Um, so I appreciate, uh, parts of both. I love, I I love the little ones and the energy and the the fearlessness that comes with them. Um, I love the middle school, although that's not where my bread and butter was. Like high school was was where I, I did my thing, but the middle schoolers, uh, such an awkward, quirky time, and and they just need someone to love them and love them right where they are, and it's so tell them it's okay to be quirky and weird and your body's doing crazy things, but we're going to have some fun while, while it's happening. And, and then yeah. those high schoolers as they're, you know, growing into that, that, that place of moving into adulthood. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. 
Hey, theater educators, this is Jimmy Chrisman. If you have ever wondered how you can support the podcast in any way, well, I'm about to tell you. Dead Talks podcast has always been and will always be a free podcast that I put out there for you teachers. I know you don't make a lot of money. I don't make a lot of money as a university professor. But if the podcast is something that has helped you out or that you just really want to find a way to support us, this is how. Visit www.buymeacoffee.com slash pc and there you can make a donation right to the expenses of the show to help offset those costs i thank you in advance for what you will do thank you for those of you who have donated i appreciate it and even if you can't make a donation i still appreciate you just continue to listen and continue to share that website again is www.buymeacoffee.com slash fed talks pc uh, madeline what are a couple of your favorite stories from your career so far? It's been tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, this is my first year that feels real here hmm. because our my first year here, everything started around February. Um, and then we had those middle two years of masks. And this is our first year since my first year here without starting without masks hmm. um, and being able to mix grade levels. Uh, so it's been it's been really difficult um, as far as those rules go and doing drama with them. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of educators can um, empathize for sure. (laughs) Um, Favorite stories, definitely the productions. I mean, productions are not required at our school, but this year I'm not doing one for the first time in a while. And the, let me tell you, the, flack I've been getting is not is not worth not doing it. I'm just gonna do one <laughs> in the spring. Um but I do I do love it and I'm actually currently in a production myself outside of school. So I can't really do both um and re, re you know maintain sanity. Um but some of the some of the best moments I've had have been just when students are sharing what they've learned in theater. Um I have some actually reflection uh, pieces that the students did from my first years that I took took pictures of their reflections. Um, the one student just said, I enjoy being in drama because I can be who I want to be. And that just touched my heart that uh, they've learned that they can believe in themselves on stage. Um, and a lot of students have just expressed that they feel like they can be seen in the classroom. And thank you notes are like my love language. Um, and seeing the genuine learning that the students, I don't care if they've learned about specific Greek gods or, um, if, you know, where Brecht was born, I just want them to be confident and I want them to be able to work with others and feel okay to be themselves. Um, so when I see them up on stage, because it's not mandatory, it's just, just an school activity. And these kids are up on stage having a ball. Um, that's, those are my best moments when they just want to keep, keep doing it and supporting each other. Yeah. That is awesome. And it's, and it's a testament to the work that you've done to create that space for them where they feel that way and where they, they get to experience that. So thank you for the, the work that you do for that, for them. TikTok. TikTok. I'm going to touch on TikTok real quick. Talk about it. Um, (laughs) As an educator. Uh, who likes to consider themselves a young millennial. (laughs) I have been on TikTok quite a bit, and my algorithm has landed me on teacher quit talk, 
which is a bunch of teachers quitting. Um, and I had to turn off TikTok <laughs> after that um, because it seems to be a sort of uh, epidemic in itself of <laughs> leaving, fleeing. Um, and while there are, and these are the cases that are made always in these videos, like there are so many jobs where you can use the same skills and um, make the same money or make more or work less hours. Um, it just doesn't compare to working with students every day. Hmm. And I just, I reminded myself of that and I turned off TikTok. <laughs> um, but it really is crazy out there <laughs> in that internet world. And just, I heard the other day that students actually, um, or kids these days, uh, use TikTok to find out things more than they use Google. So instead wow. of going on Google search bar, they go on TikTok search. And I, if I find the article, I'll send it to you. Um, but I believe it because everything is on there. So just drawing from that, like just me being on TikTok and even swiping through twice a week, I feel like I can keep up with kind of what trends are happening um, and the little sounds and movies and how I can bring those into my drama classroom is pretty simple compared to, you know, I can't really bring a song into math all the time. But if I have uh, a template that kids are using on TikTok, bringing that into drama is more simple uh, than it seems. So I try to stay relevant and hip. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got onto a pretty toxic part of TikTok. Um, and I encourage if you're a teacher, um, try to just swipe through those videos <laughs> um, because they will target you. Uh, and there are some very happy teachers on TikTok as well with amazing resources and um, yeah, just tips for teaching that I've, I've saved so many things from there and use them. And as classroom management tips, it's, it's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. I, I was very late to TikTok. Um, <laughs> I, I avoided it as much as I could. And then my husband would keep sending me videos of things that he thought I would find funny and then I got yeah. sucked into it, and I'm I'm really grateful that I haven't fallen into that the dark side of TikTok with that. Yeah. And that <laughs> the videos that populate for me are like the scaring video, scaring your partner, or the cats jumping, or all the ridiculously silly ones. things. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I appreciate you sharing that. There's some, yeah. There is some great stuff out there, and uh, another guest that I'm going to be having on uh, pretty soon is um, does a lot of anti-racist theater teaching work um, through TikTok Great. And, and sharing through that. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, Madeline. So my final two questions are the ones that I ask everyone on the show. And the first is what is a resource that you are using or have used that is a must have for theater teachers? Uh, Digital Theater Plus. Love it. It's not cheap membership wise. Uh, we share it with our English department. Um, but the videos they have and the instructional things, um, they even have like teacher resource packs for lessons. Uh, it's very useful for English, but theater as well. Mm -hmm. Um, we do a lot of work with frantic assembly, um, techniques at school and they're actually coming to us next month. Very excited. Very cool. It's been four years in the making. <laughs> um, but we use a ton of frantic assembly uh, curious incident of the dog in the nighttime resources with our eighth grade. Um, and yeah, just, just the amount of shows that they have films on there that in a pinch, you know, I'm going to be sick tomorrow. I'm out. 
oh, why don't you watch this beautiful recording of a Broadway musical? Um, and it's all part of digital theater. Um, yeah, that's my biggest one. I love theater folk. I go in there all the time. Um, Canva is my ride or die for creating yes. <laughs> engaging things, not just like Arial size 12 font. Um, and then Microsoft Forms I use all the time for quizzes, uh, reflections, just so I have it all in one place and I can find kind of the trends within their answers. Uh, and my favorite Microsoft form that I have is the can we play form because I will not answer or listen to the question, can we play? I say, scan the form. I have a QR code on my wall. It opens the form. They type in what game they want to play. And if I if we have time at the end of any lesson, I will visit those answers. Um, so that's my can we play form. And that's worked out pretty well. I still get the question sometimes, but usually kids kind of check them. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then my final question is what are your parting words of wisdom for that new teacher entering the field or the veteran teacher just needing an encouraging word right now? Sure. Um, if something isn't working, let yourself find a solution naturally um, and ask for students help um, instead of grasping for things in the dark. Um, like I said, it doesn't matter if they learn the content. It's about the confidence and the life skills. Um, if they're kind, respectful, uh, not outgoing because some kids aren't outgoing. If they're kind and respectful and can be, feel like they can be themselves, then you've been successful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Madeline Smith, it was a joy talking with you today. I really appreciate all the insights and stories and, and all the work that you're doing with your kids there in Munich. Um, I wish you all the best for the rest of the year and with your show coming up for yourself as well as for your kids coming up as well. Thank you so much. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. It's my first, first, first time on a podcast. Um, so thank you so much for having me. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate that. And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please visit our website at www.fedtalks.com where you can find all of the past guest pages with their valuable resources and lots more information on the website for you. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider so that it automatically populates in your podcast app so you don't have to miss a single episode. Please rate us, leave us those five stars, review us, tell us what you're liking, and more importantly, share the podcast with all of those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. You can email me at jimmy at fedtalks.com and I will always respond. I love interacting with you on there. Visit us on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Facebook, the Fed Talks page, and on Instagram, Fed Talks Podcast. Teachers, I appreciate you. I love you. And I am so grateful for all that you're doing and the light that you're bringing to this world. Continue to change those students' lives and continue to make a difference in the world. Join us next week for a new episode. I'm your host, Jimmy Chrisman. Have an amazing week.